Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another segment of our Social Causes Fridays. I'm the host, The Tour Guide. So today we're going to be discussing for September 23rd, 2022, the um, disturbing case of an Ira- um, Iranian woman named of Masa Amini, 22 years old. She was beaten to death and this is in a response to her not wearing her hijab an attack from the mortality, not mortality, the morality police. So I wanted to spend this segment talking about this case briefly and then going over women's rights, their safety, talking a little bit about history and how history repeats itself. So it's going to be a little bit of a difficult topic today, but something that needs to be discussed. I know I'm going to upset a lot of people putting that disclaimer out there, just giving information and new perspectives. So stay tuned and we'll get into this heavy discussion. Thanks for joining us today. You know, it's people have been talking about this issue for a very long time. This isn't new. And I'm very upset again to, to hear the details of this passing, but I needed to kind of share, um, I guess, the history lesson and put some things in perspective for people. I know it's going to be, again, a very, very heavy subject, and you're going to think, what does your experience have to do with any of this, and why should we listen? So this is why it's going to be a lengthy discussion. Why should you listen to me? Um, well, okay, so let me just start with the first segment here. So what led me to feminism in the United States? So essentially... Let me give you the backstory really fast. I was a feminist. I thought men were oppressive in the United States. I did not like the idea of listening to men, did not like the patriarchy, hated them. I told myself I would never date a Navy guy. So let me backtrack a little bit before I had this mindset. Once upon a time, I loved the idea of getting married and starting a family and all that cliche stuff. I made a Navy guy. He um, got my attention, essentially fell in love with him, became infatuated, essentially. And what happened was, after I had already developed all these feelings for him, I didn't know that he was married to a Russian immigrant. So it was a fraudulent marriage. He wasn't in love with the woman, but she wanted U.S. citizenship. And instead of breaking up with him and saying, no, I'm not going to participate in this, um, hey, you're definitely going to appreciate this one. I, um, I still continued to date him, even though he was in that fraudulent marriage. Long story short, I ended up getting pregnant, and then he has to go on a boat debt, and then I um, end up having an abortion. So that was the beginning of a downward spiral. Um, I ended up cheating on him. It was a bad experience. So he found out, of course, came back. We split up. I got with another gentleman, had another pregnancy and abortion. So I had two in one year, and then by that point... I just completely became a different person and I went on a downward spiral. So in short, at one point in time, I was really absolutely in love with the idea of marriage and being with a good man. You know, I had, you know, the two year engagement thing, plan out this big wedding, had all these great big plans. So I started going into the dating scene with a jaded perspective and I would put my best forward. I'd always give guys what they wanted, just, you know, as a young woman, you get the mindsets partly from media, from the music, from the movies we, sh- we watch, the TV shows we watch, but 
we have this notion, this, this, I don't even know what you'd call it, this warped mindset about how to make, essentially, a guy happier. What does a guy want? So I had all these jaded thoughts and perspectives, and I thought, hey, you know, if I give a guy what he wants, put my best, if I'm willing to offer myself, my whole body, and everything, and give him exactly what he wants, then he's going to see how much I really care for him, how much I'm down for him, a guy is going to want to be with me, because if I'm willing to give him my whole body and everything, then he's going to see how much I love him or I'm devoted to him. And that's not reality. It's not reality. Whenever you do that, a guy's just like, nope, you're disposable. You're easy. You're, you know, you're just another, you know what. So I got extremely heartbroken over and over. I got to the point where, you know what? Okay, so two abortions, guys are liars. They're manipulators. They cheat. They're unreliable. I had that mindset for a very, very long time. And it, you know, it changed my perspective. So I became a full-blown feminist. Like, I was women's liberation, my body, my choice, hardcore, like, to a fault. Like, I was the poster child for Democratic Party, women's liberation, all of that stuff. Because after a certain point, you, your heart gets broken, you get jaded, you're just like, who cares? Obviously, guys aren't reliable, so I'm not going to care about their feelings or emotions. And I became one of those people. And... I embrace that lifestyle. So in short, though, for for sake of time, fast forwarding, I did end up meeting this gentleman. And after two months of dating, well, actually, no, prior to that, I'm sorry, I returned to church. I returned back to my faith. And then I met this guy. We dated for two months. He proposed. Two months later, we got married. And after that, I had children back to back. And that is where the, I guess, the route, the the road to traditionalism took root. During that process, I began to, of course, experience the hormonal changes, life circumstances. I um, was working for my first pregnancy full-time, and then I realized I don't like working and being pregnant. I'd rather stay home. And I started having all these epiphanies. And um, I turned to my at-the-time husband. I'm like, I don't think it's fair that I have to work essentially two jobs. I'm pregnant and I'm working all these hours. And he's like, you don't have to. He's like, why, you know, if someone that I love, if you're my wife, why would I want you to work? It's like taking a beautiful vase and using it to carry horse manure. You know, he's like, if you don't want to work, I don't want you to have to work. So we opted to live with family um, until we could afford a place with one income. So, like I said, had children back-to-back, and I went through the process, a very, very long, painful process of unlearning all my feminist views. I had to rediscover who I was. I was extremely angry at God's creation. I was like, I don't understand why he would make women the way they are. We're weaker, we're more vulnerable to attack. Um, We have to carry the burden of children. We have to deal with the monthly cycle. We have to deal with our hormones. We're inconsistent. I prayed, like, I didn't like being in my skin. I was like, God, I don't even want to have a libido anymore. The whole process of procreation disturbs me. I felt uncomfortable. It was a couple of months, like, I would say, no, I don't even know actually how long I went through this period in time, but I became angry again, and I hated God, and I'm like, I don't know why he didn't make 
just a whole bunch of males. Why did you even make women? Why did you make females? All the past feelings and hurts and disappointments that I had with men resurfaced. And instead of staying angry, though, and those emotions and feelings, I went through the healing process. I went through post-abortion counseling and Bible studies. I listened to different pastors of different denominations and backgrounds at the time, um, my spouse at the time was going through seminary school and nursing school. So I got to hear biological and um, facts about anatomy and then the reproductive system and then maternity stuff, as well as getting theological training alongside with his training. So I was getting a vast amount of information at the same time. And I was just, anytime I was outside playing with the children, if I was in the house doing chores, if I was cleaning up, whatever, I was listening to a podcast, I was learning about women's rights, the history of um, the church, the patriarchy, I was learning about pagan religions, I was learning about ancient religious groups and different civilizations and how they lived, and I remember constantly plaguing my spouse at the time, you know, questions about, like, well, this isn't really fair, and why did God do things this way? And Obviously, women are inferior, so, like, can you see why women are mad? And it was just, I, I just remember just the expressions on his face, like, why do you keep asking the same questions? Because it hurts me emotionally to know how many women are out there suffering and struggling, women who are victims of assault. It really bothered me. Like, I was angry to my core. Like, I would just remember viscerally angry at God. And I'm like, any woman who is vulnerable, like... I was like an advocate for them, like, you know, emotionally. I remember I'd wake up in the middle of the night crying for parents who had lost children. I would cry for um, victims of trafficking and children that were missing. And I would cry in the middle of the night, just praying and pleading with God, like, Lord, please help me to help these children and help these women. Like, I went through, I don't even know what it was, a period of time where, like, anything that came up with women's issues, like, it was on my heart, and it was on my mind, and it affected me so much, where, um, probably wasn't always the nicest person around. I was an emotional basket, you know, so I got over that period in time, but after all the research that I learned about abortion and women's rights and their true meaning of pro-choice, I also studied about the heavy stuff, about, um, extreme, extreme Islamic groups and militant groups, people that do, um, I don't even want to use the words, I probably can't use some of these words, um, gang assaults, um, forced labor, adult labor. I learned about the history of some of these groups and what's happening in modern day society. You get a lot of the extreme groups that come into communities, Western communities as immigrants, and then there's a spike in assaults and a spike of women getting hurt and attacked and victimized. So I was like beginning to see like there's a lot of these problems going on in society. Where is it stemming from? Like what is the root cause? So again, continuing doing research, um, studying, I feel like it's necessary to share with people like all of my new discoveries. Like I had again another epiphany. I had an awakening where I'm like, I understand why God had planned things out a certain way. The role of the man, the role of protector, the role of woman. Like, we were, in his eyes, in God's eyes, supposed to be 
the most prized and valued thing in a man's life. It was supposed to be his completion, his perfect mate. Like, the objective for Adam was to have a perfect garden, a perfect home for Eve, and just enjoy life together. You know, just have this perfect existence. And fortunately, we have people who have greed, selfish motivation, selfish intentions, and things don't work out the way that they're planned. We do see examples of things working out when you've got love and respect and mutual respect and it can work out, but oftentimes in history what we're seeing is like women have been mistreated, they've been hurt, they've been abused, they've been neglected, they've been forgotten, and how do we stop this vicious cycle? When do we get to the point where women are treated equally and fair and don't have to live in fear? So we had a great system, there's, there's been civilizations where that has been possible. And the United States has done, for the, a great duration of time, we've had that. I mean, there's always been the push and pull of different laws and oppression of women. There always has been. And we've been trying to fight this for a long time. And I don't want this to go into a long debate back and forth of like, well, what rights of happy pedo fight for everything? The thing that's going to be difficult for most people to realize, even for myself, and I'm telling when I went through this period of time where I was trying to get all the answers, it was very, very difficult for me to realize that um, there are good, loving men out there who want to protect their spouses, their women, and I don't want to see any harm. And when we have moments where women are separated from their spouses, that's when a lot of problems. So I talked about the industrial complex, um, the industrial revolution and its consequences, I'm sorry, when we started to take the fathers out of the households and then they were taken out into wars. These were some things that have disrupted the family dynamic. So there's lots of contributing factors in history that have attributed to the mismanagement and the misuse of females and their safety and well-being. Women have been, yes, weaker species, the weaker vessels, and we are in a way dependent on a man's physical protection. So this is kind of where it transitions and trickles back to this issue with what happened to this woman. She wasn't in proper dress code because of the morality police saying that she needed to keep her hair covered. A very, very oppressive system that keeps women in this sort of this, this state where they are forced to keep themselves veiled. In the United States, we have our own problems. Women have had their own experiences. There's still issues of trafficking and slavery and men being abusive and domestic violence. But the average woman does not have to worry about getting beaten in the streets for not having her hair covered. And this is one of the things that got me into a lot of trouble. I would get into a lot of debates with people. I would get online and try to explain to them, hey, you know what? You know, as much as I respect the feminist argument and where you're coming from, but we need to really be cautious about women's liberation and how we are actually treating men in the United States. Like, we really, really need to find a delicate balance. This is why I know for a fact that I'm going to upset a lot of people, but I needed to give you 
the backstory and let you know like I definitely understand where the feminists the fourth wave feminists are coming from like I completely empathize with your argument with your position why you cling so hard to your lifestyle and I don't in a way I don't fault you but we need to again if we're going to study the history of women abuse women's oppression we need to really analyze the consequences of our choices so again it's going to sound a little bit far-fetched and like what does this have to do with me what does this have to do with you um the whole thing i i would get into long debates the real ones know the real ones remember i had spent a lot of time on facebook as a keyboard warrior mind you i've got children i'm trying to take care of i have all of this knowledge that i want to share with people and let you know about hey history is repeating itself like we're going to start coming up with problems if we don't change some things in society and it was not well received i'm brutally honest and online it's very hard to catch the tone and like i said had a lot of different issues going on that altered the um the efficiency of the message and the delivery so here let me try to explain it in a much nicer and delicate way so example this is going to piss people off okay um i literally i literally shovel horse poo you know one of those side jobs that i do i would rather go do that this very moment than have this conversation with you because i know how much it's going to piss everyone off so disclaimer okay so there is this story um this catholic mom had sent a letter into a newspaper as a guest post and it says in notre dame hold on it's not going to it's not important. I don't have to, unless you guys want to read the blog post. The blog post is available if you want to read it. Okay, so I'll just summarize it. She sends a letter and then she respectfully requests that women, young women, think twice or possibly not wear leggings on college campuses. She has four sons, four sons that she's raising, and she wants them to look at women as their you know sisters in christ not as any sexual objectification and to consider their their attire what they're wearing and maybe they shouldn't wear leggings on college campuses she was encouraging them to dress modestly so in short it was not well received she got a lot of criticism people were mocking her they um, protested what she was suggesting and um, had a leggings pride day on campus saying that, you know, her sons need to learn self-control or what she's doing is she's perpetuating um, our culture, the, you know, the R word culture, that she was victimizing these women saying that, oh, it's their fault for wearing what they're wearing. Are saying, you know, accusing her of saying, well, if, if someone gets assaulted, but then are you saying it's because she was wearing leggings? Like, it's her fault? You know, isn't the guy's fault? You're, they're just bringing up every single argument to completely dispel what the point of, of her message. And I'm like, I get what she's saying. Like, I totally get it. 
trust me, this is coming from a woman who, again, was like, I don't care what men think anymore. I gave them my best. I gave them everything they wanted, whatever they wanted. You know, I put men first for the longest time. I want to wear whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. Who cares? Now, fast forward 10 years, doing all the history lessons and studying and realizing, you know, coming up with a new perspective, what she was trying to say. One of the things, I'll just jump straight to it. I'll cut straight to it and then give you the more of the backstory. This isn't about telling you what to do. This isn't about controlling you. Okay, we're not the morality police that's going to beat you in the street because you don't have your hair covered. This isn't what this is about. This is the polar opposite. This is to prevent that from happening. This is to protect you. This is to give you the information that, as a collective group, when you've got a mass amount of people doing the same thing, you are fueling this beast. You're fueling this fire. You're adding fuel to a fire that's going to engulf and enslave everyone. It's called sexual perversion. Okay? There is an extensive amount of sex addiction, pornography addiction. The fourth wave feminists who push sexual liberation, you are providing a service. And if you can do it safely and respectfully, congratulations. But what about the people who can't afford a sex worker or don't want to pay for one? Where are they going to go? You are completely pushing out sexual energy, sexual tension. You're wanting people to look at your figures, to stare at you, to see your beautiful figures. And I believe women are absolutely gorgeous and stunning and beautiful creatures, so much so I don't think any man deserves to see you that way. Like, I don't think any man deserves to see a second of your beautiful figure, of your beautiful skin. I don't think any man deserves that. And I'm not saying you have to wear a hijab or a head covering, but I do believe that you should value and treasure yourself a little more and realize there are perverted guys out there taking verb taking mental advantage of you. If they already have a perversion, an addiction, you're fueling that. And they, I'm not trying to blame anyone and say, oh, it's your fault you got. No, this is all this is about. But you don't know the headspace, the mental mindset of some of these people who are around you. Once you get to a certain point of addiction, it becomes more violent, like the content becomes more intense and more extreme. There's a history, if you study your history, several serial killers have porn addictions. If you go read, do some, I have the links in the blog that I'll try to remember to post on my Facebook with all the sources, or you can Google it. See how many serial killers had pornography addictions. You don't know how many perverts are running around staring at you, getting satiated by what you're offering them for free. And again, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. I don't really care. I truly, genuinely do not care what you do with your body, how you dress. But I'm giving you the warning that history repeats itself. The thing is, though, is when you have 
mass amounts of people who are addicted to this content, to violent assaults, when women are disposable, they don't care. This is why you've got women decapitated and beheaded on the border of the United States. This is why you've got extreme Islamic religious groups who will gang assault women and with no conscience because they don't have any worth or value to them. There's a story of this 10-year-old girl. They found a, migra a migrant 10-year-old girl, ten different, 20 different samples of men in her system because there's just an insatiable amount of desire, of sexual desire. The amount of addiction right now is through the roof. And when your conscience is seared like that, you don't, women are disposable. And again, if you study your history, this is nothing new. It's a reoccurring problem. So when people suggest, hey, maybe you should dress modestly and cover up, it's not because we don't think you're beautiful. It's not because we don't, we're jealous. It's not because we want to control your life. We're trying to protect you because we think you're so valuable and worth so much. Like, if you actually understand the context of some of the laws and commandments in the Bible and how you're supposed to treat a woman, what God had intended, the original plan, and this isn't a religious issue of comparing our faith to someone else, but this is just, generally speaking, women's rights, women's safety, period. A woman should not have to fear walking down the street. She shouldn't have to, but... We're in an era now, even in the United States, where the, there's a rise, a spike, an increase of assault on women. And people were like, still, like, well, it's not my problem, or I'm going to wear this anyway, and I don't really care what you think. Okay, fine. Don't be surprised when you hear the numbers of assaults increasing, and women have to have a male escort. This is already happening in other countries. They cannot leave the house if they are not accompanied by a male. You have to have a male escort, either your son, your husband, your brother. You cannot walk out alone. This is going on in other countries. It's going to happen in the United States. We're trending that way. If you're not covered up in certain countries, you pretty much are given men permission to assault you or you're going to get beat you're going to start seeing that happening in the United States because we have given so much fuel to the fire of sexual perversion. History repeats itself. So that's why as much as I respect and I appreciate and I can empathize with feminists and the fourth wave feminists, because trust me, I was borderline. I was to that point. After you have two abortions and the guys are like, I don't care, and other things happen that we won't talk about here, because other things happen. The story, I couldn't get into all the details. Once you experience so many other things from men, you just get to the point where it's like, why would I allow you to see the best of me? Like, why am I, why are you giving these people permission to take, again, mental advantage of you? And this isn't everyone. There is a lot of guys out there who want to really, really respect women, and they don't want to see you that way. They don't want to see you that way. And consider if you've got young boys growing up, like, that's, I'm just going to say, like, when you get into addiction, especially porn addiction, I'm working on a course right now 
that goes through the history, um, erectile dysfunction, the inability to concentrate, loss of memory, your brain is shrinking, you can't think, everything is consumed by it. Men and women are different. Men are a lot more visual, a lot more visceral, and women, you possess a lot more power than you realize. I love to quote Don Cherry. Look up Don Cherry. He is a hockey, a Canadian hockey sports commentator, former hockey, hockey player. He has a quote. He says, he doesn't think men and women are equal. He believes that women are above men. He believes that women are, are on a pedestal. And I'm not saying we need to be worshipped like goddesses. I don't believe in that. I believe that women need to respect men and respect their husbands. And that husbands definitely need to love their wives and protect them and stand up for them and advocate for them and keep them safe. One guy um, asked the question, um, what is it that women really want from a man? What is like the number, one, number one thing that you want from a man? And he was giving me suggestions, you know, like, like, do you guys, like, want, like, financial security? Like, and I told him, no, I just really want safety. I want to feel safe. And that's it. Like, I would love to go travel and do things. And I, a lot of people are encouraging women to do things by themselves and be single and independent and I'm sorry I don't have that mindset I guess you want to call it the mental illness of codependency but I'm just being real you know like I will never be fully comfortable doing these things never feel fully comfortable like it's sad that you can't you have to worry that am I going to get drugged am I going to get kidnapped am I going to get hurt and just, I think that's one of the reasons why, like, why did you marry so quickly? There's a couple of reasons why I got married so quickly. But one of them was simply playing, so I, just, I was done playing that game. I was like, I'm not going to play this game anymore. You know, there's a lot of women out there who started out as innocent young girls who just genuinely wanted a guy to love them for who they were. And they got their heart broken one too many times. They watched too much of the feminist movies, TV show, and music. And they say, well, you know, screw it. If guys can get away with doing this, well, I'm going to do it too. And unfortunately, it doesn't work the same way. There's the differences in the genders. Guys will really, really look down on you if you have a high body count. But they'll still get a woman despite how many partners they've had. There was one post I saw recently. This woman shared that um, she had this guy come over. She cooked for him. She put out for him. She paid for his Uber. And then she blocked him. And she's like, yeah, we're beating these men at their own game. I remember having a similar mindset. Thinking, you know what? I'm not even going to give them the opportunity to disappear on me. Like, I don't even know. I have no expectations. I have no faith that you're going to stick around. Again, the guys have a better chance of finding another woman, whereas women, if you were, had the same, I guess, body count, it wouldn't, they will just look down on you. It's not the same. And I've done a lot of research right now. Even professional adult entertainers, female adult entertainers, 
they get harassed and bullied for their type of work, um, and they have the highest suicide rates. Your average life expectancy is like the age of 37, and um, a lot of them OD, and they're severely depressed. But um, things we don't think about, them, the mistreatment of women. So this subject matter is really about safety, women's rights, the oppression. There's so many layers. I could spend at least an hour on each subject, but I wanted to give you a quick overview, let you guys know that, um, again, like the one's telling you what you can and can't wear, what you can and can't do, but please be mindful of time and place. If you're like you know, at a learning institute, like if you're going to school to worry about education, possibly consider the intention you're bringing only in respect to there's people out there, there are men out there who don't want to be sexually tempted. They don't want to look at you in that way, but they have no choice because that's what you're presenting. And then you've got people out there who are just enjoying the show, taking advantage of you, which again is fine. But once you start seeing the increased number of assaults, you'll be thinking like, where where is all this coming from? Why is there a spike in sexual assault? Why is there a spike? and violence, you know, people coming in from the border, people coming in from different countries who have a different mindset of women and their value and purpose in life. And what, you've, what you're providing for them online and what people who are addicted to it want and what you're presenting yourself in public, it all adds up. And again, study your history that's all I have to say about that. I know that's going to piss some people off. I understand leggings are so comfortable. You have a beautiful figure. Yes, I know that. Trust me, no one's jealous, okay? We're proud of you. The Christians are like, yeah, girl, get it. You know, I love Ludacris's quote. You know, I want a lady in the street and a freak in the bed. I love it. I absolutely do love it. It's a beautiful thing. Marriage is a beautiful thing. Sex is a beautiful thing. God's design it, it's great. It's great. But I'm just big on learn time and place, study your history, consider modesty. Obviously, no matter what I say, it's not going to be received well. But all I can say is that uh, you've been warned. And with that, I've been the host, the tour guide. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. God's peace. Hopefully my YouTube recorded okay, but probably not.